Listen, we're going to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, I'm going to start reading at verse 6 this morning as we get into the word, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6, and I'm going to actually read down to verse 18. So a little bit lengthy reading this morning, amen, but I'm sure you can you can sit down unless you're standing in your living room for the word, however you want to do it, amen. Uh, I'm in the uh, CSB version this morning. So again, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6, out of the CSB, and this is what it says. So keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and springs and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, vines, figs and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without shortage. This is good to some folks coming out of bondage in Egypt. Amen. It says where you will lack nothing. A land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. When you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Verse 11. Be careful. Somebody say be careful. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statutes that I am giving you today. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Verse 15, he led you, he led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers had not known in order to humble and test you so that in the end he might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. Verse 18, but remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant. He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Amen. If you'll bear with me this morning, I want to talk to you from the subject Upgrade your finances. Upgrade your finances. Amen. Holy Spirit, we're here for you. You are the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. Teach us the word of God. Let it go in and take root and let it bring forth fruit some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we've been in this series called Upgrade. Amen. Uh, upgrade by definition means an increase or an improvement, a new version, a newer model. And we've been using the text scripture for our series of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, which says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And so that's the, the process of upgrading the old things passing away and allowing new things to take root, new things to come up and establish your life based on what's new and not the old stuff. Amen. We've been examining Israel during our series and how they left Egypt, but Egypt didn't leave them. Amen. I believe God is using this as a, as a metaphor, if you will, or an allegory to, to show how he's taking us during this time from one place 
into a new place. Amen. From one season into a brand new season. I don't even think I can describe it as a season because it's going to be more like an era. Amen. It's going to become a brand new way that we're living. Amen. Glory to God. And the first generation we see when they left Egypt, uh, they didn't handle the transition very well at all. Amen. Only a remnant was allowed to enter into the land. And, and what we found out is they were victims of a systematic oppression that left systemic effects that they brought with them out into the wilderness. Amen. As my mentor, Chaplain Schlichter, David Schlichter, he says, he says it took Israel one day to get out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. Amen. They needed to upgrade themselves. You need to upgrade their identity, believe the truth about themselves, God's word. He gave them the word to purify them. Amen. But they refused to believe. They refused to give God the exact change that he was looking for. And it caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Amen. That whole generation that, did, that transitioned out, they died out in the wilderness. And it was a new generation that had to go in led by Joshua and Caleb. Amen. And this is where we saw Moses speaking to them. Family, we're in a very similar crossroads in the church. God is ready, I believe, to, uh, again, like I said, to restore us to a golden age of the church, amen, the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, miracle signs, wonders, I believe it's all coming, amen, but it's going to be based on how we handle this transition, amen, we have to challenge those same mindsets, that, that systematic oppression that happened to us years ago, amen, the systematic effects that happened from being in this world, oppressed by the enemy, amen, it, it has caused systemic effects in our minds, and we have to challenge those things. That's why we need an upgrade. Amen. And so if 2020 is a season on exam of examining our hearts in many different areas, we have to talk about money. We have to talk about money because money is one of those things that uh, uh, I guess, let me say it like this. It's crucial that we allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and challenge us in the way that we think about money. Amen. We need wisdom to know how to handle the money correctly. Now, some of you may ask, and I, I kind of wonder when the Holy Spirit put this on my heart as well, what does money have to do with the, with the return of the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, he reminded me, ask Ananias and Sapphira, amen, when the, in the book of Acts, when the power of the Lord was on display, the, the Holy Spirit had just come down, miracles, signs, wonders taking place, and people were bringing um, offerings, they were selling everything they had, and bringing the offerings, and laying at the apostles' feast, feet, and they decided to bring a portion of the price of what they, they sold their goods for, and they brought a portion down and laid it at the apostles' feet, but they lied about it and said it was the whole thing, Right? And, and the thing is, we don't know whether it was they wanted to keep some of the money, they just wanted to keep the money, or they wanted to keep the money and still look good to people. Whatever it was, their heart was changed. Um, their heart was, well, let me say this, their heart was not changed uh, according to, uh, you know, about money, and they lied to the Holy Ghost, and both of them dropped dead. Amen. So it matters how we see money, because money has the ability, watch this, to affect every area of our lives. And the funny thing is that it can affect every area of our lives, whether we have it or not. <laughs> Amen. But see, family, we got to understand money isn't good or bad. It's not good or bad. Amen. The love of money, the Bible tells us, is the root of all evil, not money itself. Right. What matters to God is how we see it, what we do with it. And most importantly, the place that we give money in our heart. 
Amen. There was a man who had worked all his life and saved a whole lot of money, but he was a very, very stingy person. And just before he died, he, he made his wife swear that she would uh, put all his money in the casket with him when he was buried. Amen. And being the good wife that she was, she promised to do that. Amen. And after funeral was over, just before the casket was sealed, the wife went up and she put a, a white envelope into the casket and she turned away. And, and a close friend was with her at the time that her, that her husband asked her and made her promise to selfish request and, 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 and asked her, don't you want to reconsider before you put that money in there? She said, no, it's okay. I can't break my word. So I wrote him a check. Amen. So she put the check in the casket and buried all this money with him. Amen. Family, first, let's go to First Timothy chapter six. It, it matters how we see money. What does money do to our heart? Amen. First Timothy chapter six, verse six says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Why? Verse seven, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. Verse nine, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people, plunge people, excuse me, into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, family, if your main goal in life is to be rich, you're going to have problems. If money becomes our main priority, we're going to be willing to bend the rules, uh, follow illegal schemes and do whatever we need to do to get it. And instead of using money to change the world, then money ends up changing us into the world. Amen. I'm going to say it again. Instead of using our money to change the world, we can end up allowing our money to change us into the world. That's not God's design. That's not his plan. Amen. Ramsey Solutions, Dave Ramsey, uh, came out with a survey that stated money fights are the second leading cause of divorce right after infidelity. They noted this is more prominent in couples with greater than $50,000 in debt says one third of people who say they argue with their spouse about money says that they hid a purchase from their spouse because they knew their partner wouldn't approve. Okay, now that, that's changing our relationship. That changes how we carry ourselves. Why? The love of money. says 63% of those with $50,000 or more in debt feel anxious about talking about their personal finances. Amen. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to have conversation. It's changing our heart. Right now, in contrast, 94 percent of the people who responded to the survey uh, that say that they would have a great marriage. Right. Say they have a great marriage. Discuss their money dreams with their spouses compared to 45 percent of respondents who say their marriage is OK or in crisis. Right says 80, 87% of respondents who say their marriage is great also say that their spouse and them work together to set long-term financial goals. Amen. Why? There, there's a connection here between our hearts and money. Again, now, first of all, let me destroy the notion that God doesn't want you to have money. That is just absolutely not true. God doesn't have a problem with you having money. Amen. Now, uh, a few years ago, we had this what we call the prosperity gospel movement, if you will. Uh, and and the, the theme of that was that that God wanted everybody rich. OK. And uh, many of the prominent uh, prosperity gospel preachers of that time have now recanted uh, because they're saying, well, there's really no biblical evidence to back it up. And it didn't happen. For people like we thought it would, like we were preaching that it would. Amen. They said it's not biblically supported. Amen. But God doesn't have a problem with money. 
Okay, it doesn't have a problem with us having money. Uh, Abraham was rich. Job was rich. Uh, Joseph was endued with the wisdom that allowed Egypt to become the most prosperous nation in the world so he could take that money and transfer it to his people. I'm going to get into that later. God is not opposed to money. He's opposed to greed. Amen. But I don't believe that everyone is supposed to be rich as according to, again, to the world standards. I don't believe that. Amen. I don't believe that. And, and we can't support that biblically. But I do believe that we can all be prosperous. Amen. I do believe that God wants us prosperous. Third John uh, chapter one, verse two. Let's look at this for third John, excuse me, chapter one, verse two says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Amen. So God wants us to be prosperous. This word prosperous by definition is to move forward in life. We've equated it to being rich, amen, but, but how, how many of you know that there are some rich people who are stuck in life? God wants us to be prosperous and, and be able to move forward with his plan for us. It takes money to do that, amen? It takes money to be able to do that, amen? But the thing is, it's not about having riches per se. It, we wants us to be prosperous, amen? It takes an upgrade to go from where we are to where God wants us to be, amen? And as we've said, we have to get rid of our old mentality, our old way of thinking as it relates to money, amen? So let's take a little bit and look at Israel again today, okay? And see what effect this systematic oppression had on them that caused the systemic poverty mentality, okay? So we understand again, Israel was 400 years of slavery in Egypt, 400 years of slavery in Egypt, the Lord called Moses to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, let's look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 20, okay? And I want to detail out the plan that, that God gave to Moses. Now, again, this is burning bush time. This is when he's telling him, hey, this is what I'm going to do, right? And look at what he included in this plan right here. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 20. When I stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles that I will perform in it, after that he will let you go. Right? Verse 21. And I will give these people, watch this, such favor with the Egyptians that when you go, you will not go empty handed. Each woman will ask her neighbor and any woman staying in her house for silver and gold jewelry and clothing. And you will put them on your sons and your daughters so you will plunder the Egyptians. So included in God's plan to bring them out of slavery was to bring them into prosperity, was to give them the resources that they would need to move forward with God's plan for their life. Amen. It was his plan to bring them out of slavery with great substance. We would call this today reparations. Okay. By definition, the word reparations is compensation in money, material or labor payable by a defeated country to another country or to an individual for a loss suffered during or as a result of war. So as a result of this conflict and the result of them being in bondage for 400 years, God says, you know what? I'm going to make it up to you. I'm going to make sure that you leave with great substance. Amen. And he did that. We saw this during the Passover. Uh, Moses went, I guess, let me say this first. God reminded Moses about that promise. Moses went and told the people. So the people went and they asked, uh, they acted on the word. Let's go to Exodus chapter 12. Let's read this real quick. Exodus chapter 12, verse 35. Exodus 12, 35 says the Israelites acted on Moses word and asked the Egyptians for silver and gold items and for clothing. 
And the Lord gave the people, just like he said he would, such favor with the Egyptians that they gave them what they requested. And in this way, they plundered the Egyptians. So when they went out of Egypt, they went out with great wealth. They went out with great substance. What was the first thing they did with the wealth they received? They used that wealth. If you go to Exodus chapter 32, they used that wealth to make a golden calf. They, they took the gold earrings and all the things that they got when they plundered the Egyptians. And they, that's what they used. The first thing they spent their money on was to make a golden calf. And they worshiped it and said, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Family, if you leave bondage, but you don't get the systemic bondage out of your mind, you're going to act just like the world. And this is what God is trying to get us to understand. He doesn't have a problem with us having money. He doesn't have a problem with us being having increase. Amen. But he doesn't want it to be something that drags us back to where he brought us out of. Amen. And again, like I said earlier, instead of using money to change the world, the money that they received changed them into the world. Amen. Now, they repented and got because God was going to destroy them. Amen. Moses interceded. And then God gave Moses instructions on what the money was for. And you can go back and read this in Exodus chapter 35, where he details the plan for the tabernacle and everything that they had, everything that God needed to be used in the building of the tabernacle was exactly what they took from Egypt. Amen. Now, he didn't he didn't need it all. Amen. Matter of fact, as they were building the the the, uh, the people had to come to Moses and said, hey, Moses, tell the people to stop giving because we have more than enough than we need to build the tabernacle. Amen. So God, it, it wasn't that he said, OK, everything that I've given you, I want it all, even though he could, even though it all belongs to him. He just says, no, give me what I'm asking for. Give me the exact change that I need. Give me what I'm looking for and honor me with your finances. Honor me with your substance. Amen. And in order to do that, again, we have to allow, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to talk to us about our money. Amen. God had a plan. Read it in Exodus 35. God knew exactly what he needed. He gave them exactly what they needed. And he says, okay, give me this. And they brought it and it pleased his heart. And that's how offering is for us. That's how giving is for us. Amen. God blesses us with something and he says, now bring me a portion of it. And then I'm going to turn around and bless you for your obedience. <laughs> Come on. God is good like that. Amen. And in order to be, uh, I guess, to upgrade our thinking as it relates to our finances, you've got to let the Holy Spirit talk to you about your money. Amen. I believe, like I said, he's preparing us for increase. He's preparing us for the next level. He's taking us, amen, into a promised land. Glory to God. And I believe it's going to include financial increase. I believe that with all my heart. But if we don't have the right mentality, we will not see it. We will not see it. Amen. So we have to, excuse me, <clears throat> we have to upgrade our thinking about our money. Amen. So point number one, the first thing you need to always remember, God promises to provide for us. Amen. Very simple. God promises to provide for us. Amen. So we remember that first of all, then we won't be so uh, anxious and, and trying to try this scheme and this scheme and this scheme to take care of ourselves when God promises to provide for us. Let's go to Matthew chapter six. Let's look at Matthew chapter six. Um, start reading at verse 25. It says, therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will wear isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing. I'm going to skip down to verse 31. 
<clears throat> excuse me, says, so don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, watch this, and all these things will be what? Added to you. Amen. When we put God first, we seek him first. We seek to please him first. Guess what? He's not going to let you go without. Amen. He's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. Amen. If he takes care of the, the lilies of the field, he clothes the grass. Amen. He, he makes the flowers beautiful. He takes care of the sparrows and makes sure that they have sustenance. Surely you mean more to him than them. Surely you mean more to him than the sparrows. Amen. And we know the old songs, the eye is on. If his eye is on the sparrow, then I know he's watching over me. You have to have peace in your mind that according to Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You've got to know that. You've got to have that settled in your mind. Amen. As it relates to your finances. First thing you need to do. Number two. Increase is based on how you use what you have. Let me say it again. Increase is based on how you use what you have. Amen? Family, God has a heart to increase us. He wants to bless us. And when I'm talking about increase, I'm talking about financial increase. Amen? He wants to bless us because he wants us blessed to be a blessing. Amen? He wants us blessed. But increase, seeing increase in your life is based on how you use what you have. Amen? So we can talk about Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. Let's go there. Matthew 25, verse 14, the parable of the talents. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He says, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. Now watch this verse 15. It's very crucial. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent, depending on each one's ability. Family, God gives to us according to our ability. What that means is that he looks at what we can handle and he gives us that to see how we can handle it. Now, his heart is to give us more, okay? Because we see at the end of this story, right? We know that the one who had five talents, he traded with that five talents, he made another five. The one who had two talents, he traded with those two talents and he made another two. But the one that only had one talent, he didn't do anything with it at all. He took his money and he buried it in the ground. And so when the master came back, the one that had five, he doubled it. The one that had two, he doubled it, and he was blessed by his master. He took care of what, is, what, was, what was his. I believe with all my heart that it was the master's intention to increase them all along. It was his intention to give something to them, but he had to prove first how they were going to handle what he put in their hand. Amen. God gives, us to, uh, gives to us excuse me, according to our ability. We have to show to him that we can handle what we have. Family, when we talk about increase, increase can come one of two ways. Okay. I can put it like this. You can have internal increase and you can have external increase. Okay. Internal increase is, means that you're making wise financial decisions. You're getting out of debt. All right. You're able to keep more of what you have. OK, you can give yourself a raise. Amen. If we stop spending and get out of debt, we can give ourselves a raise. Glory to God. Amen. That's called internal increase. It's just basically keeping more of what you already have coming in. 
Amen. But then there's what's called external increase. And this is what we look for most of the time. Raises, promotions, bonuses, inheritances, things like that. Lost money found, all that good stuff, right? And that's a thing. But most of the time, most of the time, you will see more commonly the opportunity to have internal increase. Means that God will give us the wisdom to make better decisions so we keep more of what we have. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. These servants got an opportunity to show the master what they could do with what he gave them. They took what they had and God used that to bring increase. Amen. Now, if, just imagine if they took what they had and spent it. Now, a talent, uh, when, the, when we look at the, the biblical term, a talent was equivalent to 20 years of wages for the common laborer. Amen. So if, you, if a person made it in today's uh, cur uh, currency, if a person made on average, they say they made $50,000 a year, he basically gave them a million dollars. One talent was a million dollars. So the one that had five, he got five million dollars. Okay. The one that had two, he got two million. The one that had one, he still got a million dollars. Okay. It was based on their ability. Now, what that means is that the master had looked at them and said, hey, this is what you can handle. Work it. This is what you can handle. The one that had one talent, he decided, watch this, he decided not to do the right thing with it. He made a choice. And see, this is the problem we have. Sometimes we get increased, we get our, 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 our finances, we get our income, and we make bad choices. We make bad choices. And we're wondering why we're not seeing increase. Amen? We have to decide to do the right thing. Amen. Family, listen, it's okay to buy nice things when you have the money to do so. Nothing wrong with that. God's not against nice things. He's against our, uh, what, our, what those nice things can do to our heart if we don't keep them first. Amen. Buying nice things on credit isn't wise. Just if you buy something on credit because you can afford to make the minimum, purchase, uh, the minimum payment. Excuse me. Buying nice things on credit is not wise when you do it based on the minimum payment. It's not a wise thing to do. You're not handling what God has given you correctly. Amen. Buying nice things when you have bills to pay is not a wise thing to do. Amen. I, and I used to do that. I'm not, I'm not getting down on my... I used to do that. Okay. I used credit cards like there was no tomorrow. Amen. And tomorrow always showed up with a bill. Amen. You know, and the sad part, I'm going to tell you the sad part. When I, when I first came into the military, right, um, I had, uh, and my mom is probably watching. She's going to cringe at this. I don't know if she knew this or not. Uh, I had 13 charge accounts. I had 13 credit cards. Now, they were small amounts because I was young, but it was like being in college. They were just issuing them things like playing cards. I took them, okay? I had 13 credit, credit cards. All of them were 120 days past due when I came into the military. I just stopped paying them. Okay, I just stopped paying them. I ended up getting with a consumer credit counseling service, and I paid it all off in a year. Amen. I had a, a small salary. I was a private in the army, making making a, a very little about a little bit of money already. My take home pay was seventy two dollars every two weeks. When I met Sister Felicia, I couldn't afford to take her out. She had to pay for it. <laughs> she had to pay for everything. Right. And so, I, but I, but guess what? I got out of debt. I got out of debt in a year. Amen. But as soon as we started making money, we got married, everything started clicking. Guess what? Got right back into debt. And not only did I get into debt, I taught her how to do the same thing. When we met, she didn't have any bills. And I put, but I put that bad mentality on her. And for years, we had to fight and struggle and get our way out of that. And I'm telling you, we even had a time when we were blessed. 
to be able to pay off a whole bunch of bills. And guess what? We got right back in the debt. Why? Because we didn't change our mentality. Even though we were increasing, even though we were prospering, we were continuing to get promoted. God was blessing us and blessing us and blessing us. And guess what? When we didn't change our mentality, the end of the month, what was left over at the end of the month didn't change. Why? Because we didn't change. All right. So, so even though we were making more money, we didn't have a whole lot left at the end of the month. Amen. We had to change our mentality. Okay, amen. If you're not making wise decisions with money, what you have will be taken from you. Look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 29. I'm going to pull this up in the New Living Translation. It says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. If we do nothing by making poor decisions, we do nothing as far as when I say do nothing, I'm talking about the management of what we have. If we don't manage it, if we do nothing, guess what? The little bit that you have is going to be taken away by the creditors because we continue to spend. Amen. So family increases based on how you use what you have. If you want to see increase, you got to start making good decisions with your with your finances. Amen. For, uh, point number three, God uses giving to bring external increase. Okay, remember I said two types of increase. The internal increase is based on our decisions, amen? That's our responsibility. But then God uses our giving, watch this, to bring external increase. Philippians chapter 4, 19, let's read this one again. It says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The reason I bring this up here is because in this scripture, Paul is actually declaring this as a, he's making this as a declaration over the lives of the believers in Philippi in response to their giving. Because they had given he, and he, he was declaring this as a blessing on them as a response to their giving. Amen. Luke chapter 6, 38. I say this every week. Amen. Chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you a good measure. pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. Amen. Doesn't that sound good? For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Amen. The more we are a blessing on this journey of life, the more God will bring blessings into your life so you can continue to be a blessing. Amen. God uses our giving to bring external increase. Let's look at a couple more. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. CSB says, the point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. If every time you go to give, you feel like somebody's making you do it, keep it. Amen. Get your heart right first. Amen. Keep it because you're not going to get a blessing from it. Amen. God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. And God is able. This is I love this scripture right here. Verse eight. God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. What he's saying is that when you give, God is able to cause grace to abound toward you so that your needs are taken care of and you have more than enough to help somebody else in their need. Oh, glory to God. Verse 9 says, as it is written, he is distributed freely. 
He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. Now the one who provides, watch this, seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Amen. So when you're sowing seed, he makes sure you have seed to sow. Amen. I'm going to say it again. When you're sowing seed, he makes sure you have seed to sow. If you're not sowing seed, you don't need seed. If you're not putting anything into the ground, why do we need to give you seed so you can keep it in your satchel and it can rot? That makes sense, right? So God says, if I'm going to give seed to the sower. I always say, listen, God doesn't have a problem getting money to us. He has problems getting money through us. Amen. So he gives money to whoever he can get it through. Amen. Uh, it's family, another thing, tithing, we talk about giving, right? Tithing is something that God uses to, to keep our heart and money in balance. Amen. We use this tithing to keep our heart and our money in balance. Amen. There was an ambitious young man who went to his pastor one day and he promised God a tithe of his income. He said God, he, he was going to tithe all of his income. He prayed for God to bless his career. Amen. And at that time, he was making about $40 a week. And was tithing $4. Amen. And in a few years, his income increased where he was tithing $500 a week. Glory to God. He called the pastor. He says, he, he called the pastor. He says, you know, this is costing a whole lot. Um, do you think God will let me be released from my vow to him to tithe? And, and, and the pastor replies, says, I don't see how you can be, re be released from your promise. But I'll tell you what, we can ask God to reduce your income back to $40 so you won't have a problem tithing the $4. Amen. Uh, that's not where I think we want to go with this. Amen. When we tithe, we give the first tenth of our increase to God and it keeps our heart and our money in balance. Amen. Now, some people don't believe in tithing. They believe it's an Old Testament principle that is outdated as a part of the law. Well, I don't believe in tithing according to the law. Amen. If you go back and you look in Genesis chapter 14, you can see how Abram, the father of faith, gave tithes to Melchizedek. Okay. Uh, you can see how uh, Jacob gave tithes to God, promised that he would give God a tithe of all if he would take care of it and bring him back safely to the place where he was. Amen. I believe in tithing according to faith. Amen. If we tithe according to the law, and I've got another teaching on this that I want to get into right now, but tithing according to the law was about 23 percent, 23 and a third percent. And it had to be brought into the storehouse. And, and that was talking about specifically the temple. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of stipulations. We read that scripture in Malachi that says, will a man rob God? It says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Therefore, you're cursed with a curse. I don't believe God's going to curse you because you don't tithe. Jesus became a curse for us. Amen. And specifically in Malachi, there was a group of people that he was talking to who that group of people promised to bring the tithe into the temple. And they said, if we don't, let a curse be upon us. And so Malachi went to them and said, well, the curse is on you now because you made a vow to God. You didn't keep it. Okay. So that's what he was specifically talking about there. Amen. But tithing is we tithe. We, 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 we declare our dependence on God in faith. Amen. I tithe to love on God. I tithe to God to worship him. To honor him with the first fruits of all of my increase. Amen. That's something that I've chosen to do. And we've been living off of it. I'm going to tell you, we've been blessed. Amen. We've been blessed. Don't give in fear. If you're going to tithe, don't do it out of fear. Amen. Don't do it out of fear. Give cheerfully, not fearfully. Amen. Don't do it out of fear. Don't neglect the house of God. According to Haggai chapter 1 verse 6. Uh, let's just share this real quick. Chapter, Haggai chapter 1 verse 6. 
They were neglecting the house of God. It says they, they have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough to be satisfied. You drink but never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes but never have enough to get warm. The wage earner earns, uh, excuse me, the wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. Because they were ignoring, they weren't taking care of the house of God, amen? So, so we, can, we can put ourselves in a, in a little bit of detriment when we ignore God's house. But also, watch this, don't ignore your own house, amen? Don't, don't neglect your own house. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says, If anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Amen. We don't want people at Bethany giving so much to Bethany that they don't have enough to take care of their own selves. That doesn't make sense. That's not God's way. Okay. And, and we've seen it often in, in, in various places. You know, we've seen where people are giving and they're giving and they're giving and they don't have enough and nobody is cognizant of it. And they're just they're, they're, they're having lack in their own houses because they're giving. Man, let me tell you something. If you're having an issue and you're tithing in this church and you're having a financial issue, please let us know because we're not going to let you go down. We're not going to let you go down. We're not going to let your, your bills be unpaid and things like that. Why? Because we love you. Amen. And the Bible says that if we have this world's goods and we shut up our heart, how can the love of God be in us? We talked about that on Wednesday. Amen. Now, I'm not opening up a bank, but we can certainly help, help you in the situation that you're in. Amen. Glory to God. See, we, we, have to, we can't neglect the house of God. We can't neglect our own house. And we shouldn't neglect one another. Amen. We should be stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit to meet needs as he points them out to us. That's why we have money. Amen. But we got to upgrade. We got to change our mentality to begin to think that way. Point number four. Be content with what you have. Amen. That's, a, that's learn. Learn to be content. Amen. Learn to be content because the world will tell you it's always about getting the next thing. It's always the next upgrade. We're talking about upgrade. We're talking about getting a better car, getting a better house, getting a better phone, getting a better this or that, right? It's always about an upgrade. And they, they plan this into it. So they give you a phone. They give you a lease on the phone. And they tell you in two years after you've paid almost enough for the phone, now you can upgrade and extend your payments, okay? Because we always want the next thing. But God is saying, no, upgrade your mentality and learn to be content with what you have. Amen. Again, I'm not saying you can't upgrade your phone. I'm not saying you can't, but do it when you can afford it. Do it when it makes sense to do it. Amen. We have to learn to be content with what we have. First Timothy chapter six, verse six says godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Again, it's OK to have nice things, but those things shouldn't have you. And you'll learn to enjoy life much more when you learn to appreciate what you have. Amen. There's a story about a man who was a, a rich man who was uh, disturbed when he was walking from his yacht and saw this fisherman sitting beside his boat. Just kind of sitting there, just lazy, just kind of lazily sitting there, just, just staring off into space. And, and the rich man asked this guy, he says, well, why aren't you out there fishing? He says, because I've caught enough fish for today. I'm good. He says, well, why don't you catch more fish than you need? The rich man asked him. He says, well, what would I do with him? He says, you could earn more money. He, he was, got really impatient with him. He says, you could buy a better boat. You could go deeper and catch more fish. And then you could purchase nylon nets and catch even more fish and make more money. And soon you'd have a fleet of boats and you'd be rich like me. And the fisherman asked him, he says, well, well what would I do then? 
He said, then you can sit down and enjoy life. He said, well, what do you think I was doing when you came up to me? Amen. He said, glory to God. He, he said he was already at a place of contentment. And so he was sitting on the dock enjoying life when the rich man was trying to get him to go out and get more and more and more. So later he could sit down and enjoy life. He's already doing it. When we learn to be content with what we have, amen, we'll get so much more enjoyment out of life. Amen. Amen. Some people, we try to use money to take us to a place that money can't really take you. Money can't get you contentment. You got to have that in your heart. Amen. More, money is a horrible substitute for peace. Amen. Money is a horrible substitute for contentment. Money can provide a temporary cover for our issues and our insecurities. It can do that. But month, once the money is spent and the thrill is gone, guess what? The covers are off. Your issues are still there. Your insecurities are still there. Amen. Money can't buy you love. It can't buy peace. It can't buy joy. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Money can't buy satisfaction. All we'll do with the money is we'll buy bigger barns and store more stuff. Amen. Money can't buy your way into heaven or buy your way out of hell. You have to have the right perspective on it. Point number five, and I'm rounding third base here. Point number five, stop competing with the Joneses. Amen. I, I got this, this, uh, this saying from Dave Ramsey when we did Financial Peace University. He said, stop competing with the Joneses because the Joneses are broke. Amen. We're competing with the appearance of something. We're trying to keep up with an appearance and they're actually broke. Amen. The grass looks greener because it's fake. Amen. The house is pretty, but it's not paid for. Their car is pretty, but it's not paid for. Amen. They may be arguing behind closed doors every month about who's going to pay what and how they're going to make ends meet. Don't compete with them. Amen. They're broke. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So as we're preparing to enter the promised land, I believe God is taking us even further by faith. We have to examine our attitudes about money. Amen. We have to upgrade our money mentality so God can upgrade our finances. Amen. And as I said, over a year ago, we did a course called Financial Peace University um, by following the plan. And I'm, I'm just going to just going to tell you, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but by following that plan, we have no credit card debt. Amen. We paid off three vehicles. Amen. Glory to God. We, we paid off three vehicles. We're saving. We're investing like never before. Why? Because we changed our mentality. God gave us an internal increase. We got to keep more of what we have. Amen. And I'm not bragging because guess what? The system works for anybody. Anybody that will apply it. Amen. It works. And so if you're interested in that, at Financial Peace University, drop a note in the comments or send us an email. Let us know because we can do another course. If we have enough people that are interested in it, I'll be glad to do it and show you this plan and show you how to do it. Family, we need to let the Holy Spirit talk to us about our money. Amen. We want to know how to handle it. Remember, as we're going into this land, God is preparing us for increase. Please remember what the, the, the admonition he gave them in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Go back and read that. Chapter 8, verses 6 through 18. Highlight verse 11. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. God is bringing increase. Be careful that you don't forget God. Be careful that your heart doesn't become proud when you begin to see increase. Be careful. Amen. Be careful. Remember, it is the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth that you can establish, that he can establish his covenant with you. Amen. Upgrade your mentality concerning your finances. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today. We thank you today for being the one who provides for all of our needs. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord God who provides. And Father, we just ask you today that you would help us, God, with our mentality towards uh, finances, God.